Hey, everybody, you are watching or listening to the first ever episode of the Inside Handoff Football Podcast. I am your host, Johnny V, and it is just a glorious pleasure that I cannot wait to start talking about the gridiron with all of you fans of one of the greatest games to ever be created in America. Uh, joining me are my colleagues and co-hosts and two very close personal friends of mine, both guys that I have uh, I've known for, I think, Zach's about six years now? Oh, my God, yeah. And Jer, believe it or not, I did the math the other day, it's almost 17 years. <laughs> oh, oh, you're dating me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not dating you, definitely not dating you, buddy. Um... Well, I see what you did there. <laughs> you open the door, I'm going to walk right through that. Uh, directly yeah. above me, if you're watching this on video, or the next voice you're good to hear, is uh, my buddy Jer, Jeremy. Uh, like I said, I've known the guy for, you know, since 2005 we met. So, yes. uh, I've been a very, very long time. Uh, Jer, how you doing, man? Alright, you... I knew you were a football fan. <laughs> yeah. We, we knew each other for like five, six years before we realized that we had football in common, too. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, actually. I mean, I, I mean, we kind of connected through wrestling, and then over the years we just developed this friendship. And then it's like, hey, I like football. Oh, I like football too. And, I think it's when you were recruiting for the league to start, and, and you were yeah, like, I, you, I, wouldn't, you wouldn't happen to like football, <laughs> would you? And it's like, yeah, actually, I love it. It's a yeah, I, I, was, I was like, everyone's grasping at straws. I'm like, I got to find 12 guys for my league. And I'm like, hey, do you like football? Do you like football? And then somehow I scrounged together a couple guys. And now I've been stuck with you guys for how long has our league been going? Eight, eight years? Eight years, I yeah. Think. Eight years. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy when you stop and think about the fact that, you know, I'm just going to, you know, we are going to talk about our fantasy sports experiences and fantasy football and, you know, just the fantasy football experience as a whole. We're going to talk about regular football as well. But, you know, Jared and I have been in a football league together for eight years now. And uh, in those eight years, I have won the chip twice. Only person to win the, the redraft league twice. And I have been in 50% of the league finals and somehow managed to still have one of the lowest regular season winning percentages in the entire league. I am Joe Flacco at fantasy football. Let me get into the playoffs and I'm going to win. But if I don't get yeah. there, I'm probably playing in the toilet bowl. Game. I'm more like Eli Manning, if anything, because Joe only got one. Yeah, but once he gets to the playoffs, <laughs> he goes to another level, man. He goes to MVP when he gets to the playoffs. And uh, that other voice you're hearing, he would be in the top... Well, am I pointing in the right way here? Yes, I... No, I'm not. Uh, it's it's mirror you. image over yeah. here. He's over this way, I think. Uh, nope, nope, For me, nope. he's over here. <laughs> he's actually over the other he's, way. He's, he's over here. He's over there if you're watching on video. And uh, is this guy... <laughs> Zach, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. You know, I'm just ready to get the shit going. <laughs> It's it's gonna All be right. exciting. We're gonna have, we're gonna have a lot of things to talk about here. So you know, start with you know we kind of did a little base introduction of how we know each other. You know, Jared and I met in two thousand and five at a at a wrestling show, an indie wrestling show, and uh, you know one one of your uh, a mutual friend of ours kind of pushed us together. Like you like wrestling, you like wrestling. Why don't you two hang out? And uh, here we are, you know, seventeen years later, and I yeah. can top that. Yeah. Jared's known me for like twenty four years. I mean, yeah. <laughs> So, that is that is very true. I I probably knew you when you were like, I was like five or three, something. Yeah, five years old, something Maybe like even that. Younger, it was really young. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it's it, you've you only got like five years, but you know, still, it's a, you know, when you start putting it down in numbers like that, and you realize how long you've known people. I was doing this the other day, and I'm thinking like, you know, for Jared and I, you know, our, the first mutual thing we had together was professional wrestling, which is something you know we still talk about on, on an almost daily basis. We talk about some form of professional wrestling, and I'm running through the the years we've known each other, and you know, it's like 2000 and. Oh my God! It's 2021. I've known you for 16 years. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. It it hits you when you think about that. Really I mean, I'm still in the mindset when I'm thinking that. So, when I think of 1970. I think 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. That that's ingrained in my brain, and oh. now it's like no, that's like no. 50 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Right. Like, uh it's. Oh, good it's not easy getting old. <laughs> it's it is really not easy getting old, man. I'm, you know, I, I think. But I mean, enough, enough about that. Uh, let's let's get back to the gridiron, which is what we're here to yeah, talk about. So let's talk about, let, let's talk about football. So you know, to start with this is the first episode. So let's kind of just let's go back to the bottom days. When did you discover the gridiron? When did you discover the game of football? Like, what's your what's your first? What brought you to football? I guess is is the question, Jer. Um. So one of my earliest football memories was um, I watched the Giants-Ravens Super Bowl. And I was you know, probably like 15, 16. And uh, my uncle at the time, um, really big influence in my life at the time, and he, was, he would gamble on football games every weekend and all that. And so we kind of had that connection and uh every weekend i would go to his place and because i was 16 i wasn't able to gamble on the games and stuff so i would fill out the uh the gambling sheet and give it to him and he would buy me the the ticket every week and uh i actually ended up winning 80 bucks on um yeah the tampa bay super bowl game uh back in 2002 the raiders i think it was yeah so uh yeah, that, that's like probably one of my earliest actual where I'm into football. Not not just like casually watching it or it's on the TV at like a family gathering or whatever. But that was where I'm like, I really like this game and I want to get more into it. I'm going to spend my money on it. And that, it, you know, it really just kind of took off from there. Zach, how about you? Uh, I guess gambling gets people into sports because... <laughs> 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 Uh, mine's with my dad. Just when I was real younger than Jared, though, mine would be like five, six, something like that. Just we, my dad always watched the Leafs and was always a huge hockey fan. But uh, so when I got, I ended up liking football more than I liked hockey because I, I think more of it is on Sundays you get to watch all the teams, right? Where especially then, because like there was less exposure, you basically watched what the Leafs were playing and then whatever the the late night game was. And those are like the teams you got to watch, and you know, so where football, I got to see Denver and all these other teams and different things and all this stuff. So I just fell in love with football then, and I just honestly I fell in love with Denver because the announcer just said touchdown Broncos in a cool way, and I thought that was cool as a kid. And I was like, that's my team. I mean, uh, for me, I guess the the earliest answer I, I didn't realize that I, I've actually been a football fan longer than Jerry has. I I, I didn't really know that i mean for me it goes back to the late 90s uh so i've actually got you by a couple years there it started with a video game you know madden 64 was the first game the first football game that i ever played you know i've since gone back and i i I played tech mobile 
as a young kid because everybody did, you know, but it, it wasn't, you know, if you didn't get bow, you didn't care about tech mobile because you weren't winning the game, you know, so it, it didn't ingrain in me in that love, but the late nineties, you know, uh, Madden 64 and Brett Favre being in there, something about Mary and just all of that made me a football fan and of course you know brett Favre. there's something about mary brett Favre on the cover of madden 64 hey i'm a packers fan and have been mm. since 1997 um so i mean i've got to experience the ups the downs more ups than downs thankfully in my lifetime as a as a green bay packers fan and uh you know i'm happy about that you know i've i've i i live through the Favre era you know, I got to see the tail. I don't want to say the tail end of that, but I saw him, him at his prime. I saw that team at his prime. I lived through the highs. I lived through the lows. I went through you know, his retirement, his unretirement, his joining the Vikings. Why <laughs> the Vikings? And then going to the Jets. Just all that drama with Rodgers being drafted, and that brings us forward to today, where we're going through the same thing again, <laughs> which just Fair further enough. proves that axiom that those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. That That's, uh, that, that's my life as a Green Bay Packers fan. Um, all right, Zach, I think you kind of mentioned, you know, the Denver Broncos and, and your love, and, you know, it came from a play-by-play -play guy who liked to say, <laughs> Broncos touchdown in a very special way for you that spoke to you as a kid. So we know you're a Broncos fan. Uh, Jer, I don't think you've... St I mean, obviously, Zach and I have known you long enough that we know where your loyalties lie. So, uh, tell our audience, tell our listeners, why do you hate football? <laughs> I do not hate football. I enjoy good football, which is the difference between me and both of you. I am a fan of America's team, the greatest football team, the Dallas Cowboys. And... It's funny because started a football fandom as a fan of the Chicago Bears. Okay. And I thought, oh boy, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I thought the Rex Grossman year was actually really fun to see. And then they got spanked. And then the following year, um, my high school guidance counselor... Uh, kind of took over as my gambling buddy. Okay. And uh, <laughs> um, I would go in his office every Friday uh, after class, and uh, we would just talk football, what the games were on the weekend, and so on. And uh, he was a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, so I would occasionally go over to his place, and we'd watch the Dallas game. And that just kind of connected with that. You know, I had that connection with him, and like... He grew up watching Dallas win all the Super Bowls and stuff, and I was like, you know what? This is really cool, and I actually think Dallas is a pretty good team. Romo is a fantastic quarterback. I will die on that hill. Um, and then I remember that year where Romo fumbled the snap, and this yeah. was within like two or three years of me becoming a fan, and just that heartbreak because they were so close to winning that game and just seeing it all fall apart. It's like, just rip your heart out and just throw it on the ground. And that, like Johnny said, you know, you're with your team for the ups and the downs. And unfortunately at that point I hadn't really hit any ups yet. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't have 
you know much of a team to speak of then. I mean, you know, DeMarco Murray would show up, Ezekiel Elliott. We, we've got players, but we didn't really have a, any sustained success. We went through Bill Parcells. We went through Wade Phillips. Um, so it's been tough road, you know. At least the Packers and the Broncos have seen the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl or something. For So for me, personally as a fan, it's been tough, but this year's our year. You know. The, the Cowboys fans lament. The, the division sucks, you know. I gotta hold on to something. How, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a question we'll, we'll discuss more. How does it feel knowing that division sucks so bad and your team still can't win it? Okay. Giants terrible on both sides of the ball and i don't think they did enough to fix any of their long-term problems i think they're not good enough on offense to win games and the defense isn't good enough to keep them in games eagles i don't think their offense is as bad as say the giants but got pieces there i like hurts as a quarterback i don't really i mean and the zach hurts situation is up in the air still obviously i'm surprised it's taken this long for them to figure out what they're doing with them um redskins probably the team to beat in that division which is strange to say but i mean their defense was phenomenal last year and antonio gibson obviously is a stud and I think they've got enough pieces to not only stay in games, but if they can keep the lead in games, then they're going to win the division. And Dallas, I love their offense. They tried to fix their defense in the draft, and hopefully they fix some of it. But, I mean, I do think they've got probably a top five wide receiving core, the Cowboys. And... I just don't know if that's enough. If the defense plays as poorly as they did last year, let alone the run game, Alice did not have a successful run game last year, let alone all the injuries. Zeke didn't perform. He didn't have the line. Nothing, nothing was working for Dallas last year. So I think need all the pieces to fit this year and then might win the division if they can beat the Redskins. I mean, it's, it's definitely a winnable division that you're in, you know, I mean, you know, my, my division is just that. It's my division. You know, we're, we're still still the cream of the crop. We're still the team to beat. You know, the, the Bears have built a good defense. You know, Khalil Mack is still there, and that's a terrifying person to face across the circle twice a year. You know, um, but there's, there's really nobody else. I mean, the Vikings are... I don't know what to call the Vikings. You know, some years they look good and then they play like poop and other years they look like poop and then they play good. You know, they're they're the opposite of what you think they're going to be every year. So I've kind of stopped predicting what they're going to be. And Detroit is just, God love them, they're Detroit. <laughs> Bottom of the barrel, Detroit. They're, they're probably the franchise who has wasted the most talent of all of them. You know, I, I, agree. I, mean, I mean, that division had, you know, they had Barry in the 90s. You know, one of the uh, arguably a top five running back of all time and ruined him, wasted his career and literally forced Megatron to retire early. They were so bad. You know, that guy probably still had five or six more years left in the tank. At a well, relatively, 
at a relatively high tier of play, and, and they literally forced him to retire from the game of football because they broke his spirit that badly. You know, and that's that's just a sad reality. I mean, I, I'm, I'm thankful Stafford got the hell out of town because he's a good quarterback. I like him. You know, he watching him face Aaron Rodgers twice a year is probably the most fun of those games because Stafford has that next gear. He's competitive. And when he goes out there with an Aaron Rodgers, he just wants to compete. You know, he, he knows he's probably going to lose the game. He knows he's not going to win this season. He knows he's not going to win the division. He knows he's not going to play in a playoff game. But he'll go out there and he will have a high, entertaining gunfight with arguably the greatest gunslinger in, in football. You know, I mean, Mahomes is fast rising to that mantle. And in, a, in another couple of years, he probably will take that mantle with, with ease. But, you know, right, right now, I'll still take Rodgers in a gunfight over anybody. And, but that's just because he has that that innate killer instinct, you know. Like he needs, you know, he, he's behind the fifty yard line at the end of the game, down by a touchdown, no time left on the clock. You're still worried he's going to score that touchdown because he's Aaron Rodgers. You're not worried about that with Mahomes, but he's got the cannon to do it, and he's got the receivers that can make the plays. But you're not worried about it like you are when it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, he'll throw that high-arcing tier rainbow pass that goes 1,000 yards in the air and 45 yards downfield and just floats into the hands of whichever wide receiver he wants it to go to that week, and, and that's the ball. Yeah, game. like a Vikings <laughs> cornerback. That is when we get to the NFC Championship game. Ah, yes. That's when the Hail Mary goes bad. That's when overtime happens, and I hate the NFL overtime structure, which I'm sure we'll talk about at length on, on some future episode when we don't have much else to talk about why the NFL overtime structure is so horrible when compared to, I don't know, the college football overtime system. But that's a completely Time. different conversation for a completely <laughs> different date and probably a segment unto itself and we don't have much else to talk about it. So we've talked about our teams. I'm a Packers guy. Zach's a Denver guy. Uh, Zach, you haven't really had a chance to talk about your team in the present, so we'll, we'll, we'll give you the floor. You know, I I know you have a lot of things you'd like to say about Denver, and, and you know you're a very opinionated guy, and I love that about you. I, I really do. You're you're not afraid to die on the hill when everybody else is evacuating. You'll stand your ground, and I compliment you for that. You know, you 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 take your lumps and you stand with your guys, and that's that's commendable. Sometimes I think you're bat crap crazy, but you still, you 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 rep the orange, you know, and you, and you do it with pride, and that's that you know that's a commendable thing to do. But to talk about your franchise, Jared got a chance to do it, I got a chance to do it. Talk about your franchise. So I'm assuming with all that, you're wanting me to talk about Drew Law. This is where <laughs> we're going. This is what the whole thing's about. What do I think about Drew Law? I clearly believe there's still some future in him, but it's not like I'm just tied to the play of Drew Law. I'm. I like what he's shown. I feel like he's never had the true opportunity to, with his personnel to demonstrate what he can do at his best. I It's unfortunate this year he's going to be on a short leash, so he better show it right away. But uh, the guy didn't have Cortland last year. Tim Patrick was his number one receiver. Like I know Jerry Judy's probably his most talented, but like slotted in, Tim Patrick was the number one. Noah dealt with injuries throughout the year. And the biggest thing is that um, the thing is, first of all, I did not know Justin Fields was going to fall that far. So um, I would not have been upset if we drafted Justin Fields. But since we didn't, I like that Drew Locke costs pennies. 
Like he's five, five, like five hundred thousand dollars a year. That is nothing on the salary cap. We have him for two more years before we have to think about re-inking him. This is if he can be competitive. Here's here's my thought is if he's good, we have a, another year where we get to add to our team with a lot of salary cap with a good quarterback that's young that we can build with the future. If he's bad, I don't think we're going to be good with Teddy Bridgewater. We just look to draft one next year. It's not that complicated of a thing with that. Our defense looks amazing. I don't think anyone really can argue that. That's just, I guess, to be determined on Von Miller, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, we'll see if he's what he was after that injury. But everyone's assuming he's at least like 80% of that. And that's enough to make this defense monster. Our division is a problem. That's going to be an issue. I don't know. I'm, I'm my hope is like we all Casey is going to be Casey, but in the same way, I hope the Chargers are going to be the Chargers, and you know, look great on paper, not so great when it's on the field, you know. <laughs> and so, and I'm not afraid of Oakland. Like they're they'll be a tough matchup, but I genuinely don't see that offense doing much. If if our defense is what it's supposed to be, then you know, I'm not really worried about Oakland. Uh, I like the future of our team all around. Patrick Sertan, great pick. I love Jerry Judy. You guys know this. Noah Fant, love him. Like I said, we can get a quarterback. Either Drew's going to be the guy, or we'll draft one next year. I don't. There's not really much to hate. There's just not as much to love because, like, for my Jerry Judy, Jerry's got Ceedee Lamb. You know what I mean? And he's got an established offense. He's got his holes. For again, my Jerry Judy, you got Devonte Adams, who's way more established than Jerry. Jerry's just um hopeful. The point at this point, I just, I think we just, it's it's so much on Drew Locke. It's just crazy. I feel for the guy a bit, but this is where we're at. We just watch and wait. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if if Oakland is beating uh, Denver this year, you got more problems than uh, football. Well, somebody's at a job. Probably both. If, if if we're losing to Oakland twice in this season, both Teddy and Drew Locke will not be a starting quarterback next year. I promise you that. I I wouldn't imagine so. I mean, who's so, Oakland's quarterback? Derek, the car. I just we have our DB setup is ridiculous. We probably have the best safety duo in the league, like between Kareem Jackson and Simmons. You can't really debate that. True. Uh. Patrick Sertan is might be our number four cornerback. But you got big problems if Oakland runs all over your defense, like really big problems. I don't. I'm not really worried about them running on us. I, I think. I think what Jer's trying to say is that you move to Las Vegas. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not oh, watching, if, oh. you're, <laughs> if, if you're not watching this on video, you've completely lost a, a large chunk of the last five minutes, and just my laughing at Zach for the most part of it, and and, and laughing yeah, at, at Jerry. You know, just, we're, we're going to need an Oakland jar because inevitably we're all going to say Oakland. We obviously mean Las Vegas, just yeah, because oh yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's been there. It took for me forever so to fix long. the Chargers. Like I I, that, I still you know they're still San Diego to me. You know. Well, and, like, and they don't make it easier by retaining the, the same name. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you move locations and still call yourself Raiders because you're afraid to re like rebrand. I mean, like, and they went so, from like, Los Angeles to Oakland to Las Vegas to. Well, they went from like, Oakland they can't, they can't to Los Angeles to Oakland to Las Vegas, so like, they they, they jump around a lot. Like, <laughs> that's like a scene in basketball. <laughs> it really is. 
Oh, I love that you know that reference and can make it comfortably. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful. Okay. Um, all right, we talked about our teams. We've talked about our, our real-life teams. And we're, we're going to move forward now that that was just a, a general intro. Yeah, this is the first episode, so we're going to we've obviously spent a bit more time right, introducing ourselves and talking about our teams and you know what brought us to the game of football and where we stand on it today. And, admitting our biases. Admitting our biases. I'm at least making it known what our biases are going to be <laughs> so that when we espouse our biases, people can look back and be like, oh, he's a Cowboys fan. He, he doesn't care when you talk about them. But uh, yeah. Uh, seriously, uh, before this segment, I didn't realize that Zach and I have both experienced more championship wins with our team than you have. You know, I, I kind of figured you'd been, you, I, I kind of figured you'd got on in the, the mid nineties, you know, at that, the height of their training. Yeah. yeah. Actually. Okay. I, I kind of told a fib. The first football game I actually vividly remember watching was the Patriots, um, Patriots Packers Super Bowl. It had gone out to a soccer game that day and then I came home and watched that that game but I wasn't really a diehard so, so you went from a football game to a football game pretty much yeah they they, they were playing with this giant brown egg and I was like what the hell what are they doing I mean yeah I mean the first the first game I mean that was the first Super Bowl that I ever watched was that one um the first one I remember vividly was uh the the Rams Titans Super Bowl a couple of years later you know, because that one was big. You know, my classroom, we, we had a contingent of Rams fans. We had a contingent of Titans fans. And I was a Packers fan being like, I won two years ago. I'm fine, guys. <laughs> yeah. And, and then getting to experience that and mocking the Titans fan, which I still mock, you know, all the time for falling a yard short. You know. I've seen your mocks. You've seen my mocks. You, we had this guy in the league for a year. And uh, you, you, you've seen the mocks. They're there. I mock a lot. Uh, I, I mock mm-hmm. myself from time to time, but uh, I'm okay with that. You know, make it so easy. <laughs> Not as easy as the Cowboys fan does. Um, uh-huh. But I digress. You know, inevitably we'll be making jokes at ourselves and at our team's expenses and at each other's expenses because that's just the way we are. You know, it's uh, yeah, that's just who we are. Um, all right, segment number two. This is the segment we are going to call "Breaking the Huddle." All right, this is where we're going to talk about the current game of football and what's going on on a week-to-week basis. Obviously, we're in the preseason, so we can't really talk about the week-to-week minutia of football because there is no week-to-week minutia of football. It's more like the two-months-to-two-months minutia of football. We're still a week away from training camp starting to open, so we will have more to talk about you know, next month, obviously, when players report or don't report or Joe gets injured or Fred skips out of camp early or Jimbo gets cut. You know, there's always going to be stuff to talk about in training camps. Uh, but right now we're in the, the early, you know, the preseason, uh, the off season is at this point pretty much over. You know, there's still a few things left to happen, but not very much. And there's a few guys that we expect to get traded or cut that haven't happened yet. But, you know, we'll talk about them as we go. But of course, you know, we're a week away from training camp starting to open. So let's talk about the off season. Um, as we go forward, we'll obviously talk more about specific things and trades and stuff that, you know, happened once we get more in depth on different teams and franchises and things they specifically did. But obviously a big part of the off season is you have your winners and you have your losers. And this week in this segment, we are going to break down our off season winners and losers. Each of us are going to pick a winner and a loser from the off season. We may pick the same teams. We may not. Who knows? 
you know, because there's three different people and we have three very different opinions, which you will come to learn as you listen to us talk about football, that we agree on very little and we argue about a lot. <laughs> All right, uh, Zach, off-season winners and losers. Who you got? Who's your winner? Who's your loser? The winner, <clears throat> unfortunately, this hurts, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You you win a Super Bowl, you are expected to lose multiple significant pieces from that roster. And they decided to not do that at all, retain all their starters on both sides of the thing, while also having all their draft picks. This, they, I don't see where they lose in this offseason. They use the second-round pick to draft their potential franchise quarterback in the future. They were able to add more talent in the first round. They brought everyone back. I really don't see much losing in that situation. And, and loser. My loser? I'm probably going to steal a pretty obvious one from you guys at this point, but uh, the Houston Texans? I don't really think this whole situation where it was... Your guy first says he wants out, then you're like, he's not going. It looks like you're getting offered the world from everywhere. So it's basically on you whether or not you're just going to force the guy to stay or just take a huge package. And then all of these potential charges come out for Watson and such. Your starting quarterback is now Tyrod Taylor, maybe. You have a terrible receiving core. You had no first-round pick. You have DeAndre Hopkins absolutely tearing it up in another place with a quarterback that's similar to the one that you decided to trade him from. I don't really see a glimmer of light on that franchise. Not even a little bit. I would be very, very sad if I was a Houston Texans fan. It's uh, it's very difficult to argue with uh, that point at all. Jer, winners, losers, who you got this year? Uh, for the winners, I think I think I really like the Cleveland Browns. I think the pieces are coming together. OBJ is going to be healthy. Baker Mayfield gets a lot of slack, but I think he's a really good quarterback. Um, defense is reloading. So, I mean, they're going to be a top five defense in the league. And I think their division is worse off for the most part than it was. Um, the Steelers are definitely on a downswing. Um, Bengals are hit or miss. The Ravens are good, but I don't think they're that good. I, I mean, the Browns are obviously the best four five teams in the AFC right now and I think they're going to keep that momentum going forward and uh, probably another playoff run it's weird to hear someone say the Browns are a top five team in the AFC and I have to sit it, here and accept it as true it's weird to say it like because you're used to them being in the basement and for a long period of time it was what 36 straight losses something like that whatever that record was so i mean they they are not a perennial contender and then all of a sudden they just within the past two three years 
they've just reformed this entire team. The defense is phenomenal. They've got pieces on offense. They've got a run game. They've got a quarterback who is unfairly treated, but still a really good quarterback. I think he's, he's worked through his flaws over the years. He's made mistakes, and he's worked to fix those mistakes. And as for the losers... I think probably Green Bay Packers. And the reason I'm saying it is because I don't think they fixed anything on offense going forward. I mean, you saw the stats. They haven't they had picked a defensive player or a non-offensive uh weapon in the draft for the past 10 years, is it? Yes, yeah, so roughly that. I'm pretty sure actually that's it. Yeah, so going into the draft, everyone was like, they got to pick a wide receiver. I mean, you got Devontae Adams, but you don't really have that solid wide receiver, too. And I mean, what did they pick? You know, what was it? Defense? Cornerback, yeah. Yeah. So, think, and and on top of that, they can't focus on off-season program because they've got this Aaron Rodgers problem looming over the entire organization. He wants a trade. Uh, the, the team doesn't want to give him a trade. The team, you know, keeps saying all this stuff, and, and Rodgers is like, I don't want to play for Green Bay. I don't want to go back there. I don't want anything to do with them. I want to be traded to one of these, you know, three or four teams. And I think that problem, because not only does it affect you off the field, but it'll start to affect you on the field got this looming over their head and they've got training camp in what three two two weeks so and we don't even know if rogers is going to be there they've got what jordan love taking first team reps if rogers doesn't show up i'm sure rogers doesn't care about the money he's going to lose and that's he seems like the kind of guy who would stand up for his beliefs and say no screw you I feel disrespected by this organization. I feel you are not helping the team around me. And I'm sick of carrying this team on my back for the past 15 years. If you're going to give me one wide receiver and two good running backs, they can stay healthy. So they haven't built a team around him. And I think it's finally coming to a head. And I think that's a, terrible thing to have coming into the preseason it's just and and it's kind of the same situation with the texans except the texans blew up the whole team green bay just isn't fixing the problems that are inherent in the team it's not and and that's the thing it's not a contract issue it's not a it's not a money issue it's 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 personnel issue where you aren't helping aaron Rodgers, and he's like sick of this no. I mean, Tom Brady in New England would take pay cuts year after year after year, and they would at least try to give him weapons to work with. I mean, yes, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, but you got to throw the ball to somebody. Yeah, I don't yeah, think they've true. given Aaron Rodgers that opportunity to go beyond Devontae Adams. I think that's a long-stretching problem. And it's finally rearing its head to where, okay, this is not something we can ignore anymore. Aaron Rodgers is rightfully pissed off at our organization. We got a problem here. And 
this is going to be more than oh we got to fix our run game no you got to fix the problem with your quarterback because i don't think a jordan love green bay packers is going to be sniffing the nfc championship game anytime soon all right johnny <laughs> i mean I, I i'm gonna start with my loser because you know i i ha- had a feeling i was gonna be the only one to say it but to me the offseason loser this year's it's been the green bay packers you know and, and jerry you you hit on it, it you, most of it you know i mean i can't really argue there's, there's no points you made that are incorrect you know they didn't they didn't help the offense when they could have you know they didn't take a wide receiver in the first round okay you know they got a cornerback that kind of slipped and you know was was a good pick in that spot and that's fine you know it, it doesn't you know it you can't argue drafting a young stud defensive back you really can't because you know as much as we say you know who well, rogers needs somebody to throw to that's true but you need somebody on the other side of the ball to stop the other quarterback from hitting his guy you know that that's just as important as having somebody for Rodgers to go to. But then you know you come up in the second round and there's still a lot of great guys left on the board, and you pass again, and you pass again, and then you finally do pick somebody from you know uh, I, I can't even remember which school the kid came from, but it wasn't one of the top programs. You know it was a mid-level program. It wasn't you know she's a good kid, and you know Aaron Rodgers has you know made his career out of making people you've never heard of you know that that's what he's done the last few years but i mean you're, you're exactly right when you say that you know the, he's tired of being disrespected and i think that's how he feels and it's not the fans that are doing it the fans stand behind him you know i i, I there are a lot of fans who you know will just sit there and say shut up and count your dollar bills and play well no i mean yeah sure you can do that but you know like he's not asking for anything that other quarterbacks aren't getting you know, like, he's not saying don't build the defense. He's happy you're building a defense. But, you know, help me out here, too. You know, just because I can make this kid you draft in the sixth round that nobody's ever heard of into a half-decent wide receiver doesn't mean I can't do that. You know, if I can do this with, you know, uh, who's, a, who's a crazy one that we can pick here? Um, Equinemius St. Brown was nobody when they drafted him. You know, and he's made him something. You know, and I could list the wide receivers that he's made something out of that aren't big program kids, that aren't big name guys, that aren't first round talent, that aren't second round, you know, that aren't early round talent. Imagine what he can do with someone who is early round talent. I mean, even Devontae Adams wasn't a, a particularly high draft pick. I think he was a third round pick. Yeah, he was not first round no. caliber at, at the time. I mean, of course, his talent has gotten there, but, I mean, he had a lot of great people to learn from. You know, he came at the end of the Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb era. You know, he had a chance to sit under the learning tree and learn from some really great wide receivers who passed on that system, you know, and helped him become the guy. And, of course, you know, he has an undeniable chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. And that's another thing that isn't taken into account. I mean, there is nothing more insulting to be a quarterback who's making someone a project and helping someone out and making them a name and you know, in week thirteen, says I, I can't, I can't remember who it was now, but one of the quarter, or one of the wide receivers uh, last year, you know, Rogers went on record saying he liked the kid, you know, he liked passing to him, and he thought they had something, and there was some chemistry being built there, and they were working well together, and a week later, the team cuts him. Wasn't it the dude? It was the dude that like caught the hail mary, wasn't it? 
Uh, I believe so, yeah. Sorry. I... No, no, but I mean, you're right, you know, like, it, it just, it's insulting that, you know, they're treating him like this, because he is, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the game today. You know, he's a perennial MVP contender every year. You know, he takes that team on his back and injured carries them to an NFC championship game. You know, unless, and, it's, unless it's his collarbone. <laughs> you know, and he just he keeps doing it. He keeps pulling these miracles. And, you know, it, it's finally gotten to a point where he sit here and said enough is enough. You know, I, I've put team first for so long. It's it's time for me to be a little selfish and he's not asking for too much he's not asking for anything that other quarterbacks aren't asking for you know they just want they want respect and you know if there's one thing i've learned in the game of professional sports that respect is earned and this man has earned it there's no question he has earned the respect of the executive suite in green bay and they're not they're just not giving it to him you know he was yes matt lafleur has worked out but you didn't consult him at all in your coaching search like, I forgot about that one, too. I mean, you know, like, am I going to give the quarterback right of first refusal on a coach? No. I'm not going to give any quarterback that. But if I've got a guy like Aaron Rodgers who is, you know, pretty much doing 90% of the offensive play calling towards the end of the Mike McCarthy era, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit him down and, and talk to him and figure out what – how can we best maximize his skill set with the new coach? You know, like – and, and offense goes through Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. I mean, and, you know, yes, Matt LaFleur has worked out, and those two have actually kind of, you know, I don't want to say put together something good, but they have, you know, they've worked they've worked out their differences, and they are working very well together. You know, whether that's just Rodgers' professional, you know, you know, being a professional guy, I don't really know. I don't know what their relationship is like off the field, and quite frankly, I don't care. But... You know, it, it's worked out, uh, but, you know, it, when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who is, you know, a perennial MVP contender, I'm going to sit him down and have a conversation about the guy we're hiring to run the team. You know, if this is a guy who's a defense-minded guy, then that's great. You know, like, but you didn't do that. You hired an offense guy. You know, if you hire a defense guy, then okay, uh, you know, Aaron, you're fantastic, but you can consult with the new coach on the offensive coordinator. This isn't your problem right now. You know, the head coach is a defense guy. You know, we're hiring him to have know the X's and O's on defense. You know, you can discuss the offense with him yourself. And, of course, you know, you try and find someone who will listen to that, you know, like when you're picking the next guy. Have some input into the system and, you know, who's calling the plays and things like that. And it's worked out, but, you know, it's just, it's just those little, so many little disrespects have built up over 10 years that it's finally like, screw it. I, d I don't need you. You need me. And I respect him for that because he's right. He doesn't need the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers need him. You know, if, if he walks away from the and he could. He could walk away from the game and have a golden parachute waiting for him. You know, there's no question. That's called Jeopardy. Even without Jeopardy. Look at the money being tossed around to Tony Romo. You know, and... Well deserved. And... Quite frankly, he has turned into a, an amazing. You know, he he is much better in the booth than he ever was on the field, and he was good on the field. You know, I, oh, yeah. I won't I won't deny that. You know, he's a guy that was wasted in Dallas those all those years. You know, he was a good quarterback. He wasn't great. So, he wasn't elite, but he was damn good. But, yeah. 
You you could probably go on about your green. You're a little tied to this team. I think we need to hear your winner. I am a little you know, tied to this you're team. You're pouring your soul it's, out here. It's going. I, I think it's time for the winner. Are you ready for crazy? The, uh, green Bay, the, winner? the Green Bay Packers are the loser. The winner, the Chicago Bears. Ooh, okay. Okay. And, 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 and it's, it's, yeah. it's more of a, it actually seems like they're doing it right this time. You know, they didn't go out and go crazy and move up to get a quarterback that would have been available to them later in the draft. You know, they got, they got Justin... He came to them, he kind of fell into their lap, and they took him. And good for them for doing it. You know, like, we, we talk about teams that, you know, that wouldn't have passed on him. Well, Chicago doesn't exactly have a great quarterback. You, you did just sign Andy Dalton. And I like Andy. You know, I think he's a, he's a, he's a good quarterback. He's not great. You have to watch him in Dallas. I, I think that's as much a problem of him being in Dallas as anything else. Like, he's not suited for that offense. You know, but... Andy's a good quarterback. I mean, look at some of the success he had in Cincinnati. You know, like, those teams were not fantastic, but, you know, he kind of made them a perennial contender to at least make the wild card. You know, and, and that, that's a tough thing to do in Cincinnati. You know, but here he is. You know, you sign him to a contract, and he's going to be our starter, and then you go and draft Justin Fields. And I, I say that the winners because to this point, they've said all the right things. You know, he's going to, you know, the rookie's going to learn. He's not walking into the job. He's going to learn. He's going to sit behind Andy for a year, and he's going to learn how to play the pro game. Because that's a hard thing to do, you know, for a quarterback. And I think it's the best thing you can do for a rookie quarterback that you aren't taking first overall or second overall, is to give them time to learn the game. I mean, look at look at Pat Mahomes. You know, that guy took a year to learn the pro game, and... Now he's, you know, one of the richest dudes in football. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> the dude could buy the team he plays for with the contract to play for the team. You know, so, like. Uh, if, what ends if, okay, if they let Allen Robinson walk after this season, does next offseason counter everything you basically said about this offseason? I mean, it's the Chicago Bears. I could very well be calling them losers by week three preseason. You know, because they could completely throw everything they've said out the window and, you know, do some crazy stuff. But right now, they've done all the right things. They've said all the right things, and they're trying to do it right this time. You know, they've got a coach. They've got a coach who's in the hot seat. You know, and it is a very that's what hot I was thinking. Seat. Like, like this has to be. They're doing the right thing out of desperation. I think exactly. Because, I mean, you're like, exactly they, right because they did all the wrong things last time. You know, they they're on life they, nine out of nine. Exactly. You know, they jumped up to draft Mitch Trubisky, who would have been there. You know, they gave up what th was it three first round picks to jump up. If I remember, it correctly. was a load. Like it was, uh, it, it was, was a, it was a buttload of stuff that they still could have got Trubisky when their original pick was. You know, like I, I mean, that was one of the first drafts that we kind of had a, a, a fantasy football league function around. You know, there was, there was a lot of us in attendance at your apartment, chair watching the draft that night. And I think every one of us sat there and were like, damn, the Bears are going to get Mitch at, what were they picking, six? Something like that? Yeah, and they moved up. And to... then they move up to three to get a guy they probably could have gotten. It, it, it's, it's the draft day paradox. You know, if you're a football fan, you've seen the movie Draft Day. You know, it's the draft day paradox without the payoff in the end. 
You, know, you move up from nine to one to pick the guy at one. You easily could have gotten at nine, but then it all works out in the end because it's Hollywood and that's just how things go. If, if, if the Bears if, thought it was Bo Callahan and it wasn't. <laughs> if if the if if draft day was like the NFL, the the general manager would have moved up to first to draft the guy and give up everything. He could have got at nine and then get fired the next year. That's how the real NFL works. But in Hollywood, the other team gets didn't last for draft day too. <laughs> you know, in in, in 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 Hollywood, the Seahawks get jittery and realize, oh my God, we can get the guy we could have got at one, but now he's falling and falling and falling. But oh my God, the Cleveland Browns jumped up to ahead of us, and now they can get both. And oh my God, now we've got to give them back everything they gave us plus a little extra to get the guy we could have that's hollywood people that doesn't actually happen but that's kind of like what happens with the bears and the 49ers because they <laughs> they jumped ahead of the 49ers and didn't even the 49ers weren't getting a quarterback nope they, they didn't even need to jump that far ahead i mean if everybody serves that was you they drafted solomon thomas yeah so i mean and, everybody and knew i mean they just they just tweeted, paid uh, money for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they're not, they're uh, not drafting a quarterback. Exactly. Here. Look, look at look at the other team's needs before you jump ahead and sell your Every, franchise down the river for four years, which is pretty much what they did for a guy who is you know hot garbage and you know they, they broke him with the expectations. But I mean that's pro football. You know it is it is a it, it's a meat grinder. You know and quarterback is probably the second most meat grinder position in sports behind running back you know uh, but that that's again that's more discussions for another day and i think we've covered you know about our winners and losers and we've still got one more topic to cover here before we uh move on to the next segment and obviously it's july training camps don't start to open up for another week so what better time to predict who's going to win each of the six divisions than to do it on what is today july 17th so that's what we're going to do. We're going to pick our division winners because it's July 17th. Of course, as the season goes on and as we get closer to opening week. And so we're, so we're just not rest. picking the NFC East and the AFC North? <laughs> I think we're still going to pick them. It's just, you know, like, at, at this point, it's it's written in pencil. Why are we only doing six? Um, Because I've been thinking so much about baseball lately that I... I'm thinking about your two... Packers because you went on about them for 20 minutes. <laughs> I dropped two divisions from my mind and didn't notice it when you clearly opened the door for me to protect myself and say, yeah, we're just going to leave the two crappy divisions out, but no, obviously we're going to pick all eight divisions because even though two of them are so shitty that it, uh, you, you know, flip two coins and then flip one coin and whoever wins the coin tosses is going to win the divisions but no we're, we're going to pick the winners of all eight divisions we're going to do it on a division by division basis and because we're here we're going to kind of do it in a uh, uh a clockwise fashion so we'll go jer uh, zach and then myself and then we'll just keep going and we will start with i don't want to say the easy divisions but the easier divisions so let's start with the afc and um sorry zach we're gonna start with the afc west i'm not gonna lie dude i don't even remember what i'm so bad at divisions who's in the afc west again he's not much better at multiplication <laughs> uh specifically that would be um that's your division 
Is it? See, I'm not, I'm so bad at that stuff, dude. I just that's not what I pay attention. So that's it. Doesn't say the obvious name. Chiefs are gonna win the division. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with them on that. That's all. <laughs> that one's like a lock. I don't even think. I don't even have to explain why. Do I? Like. No, you you really don't. I, um, I think the interesting question is: Do they have a wild card team in there? That is a good question. I mean, I think you know we'll, we'll pick that as we get closer. But I mean, since it's just division winners, obviously that's the Chiefs' division to Chiefs. lose. I yeah, mean, so if if I'm Mahomes gets hurt that. early, then we have a discussion. You know, and then it becomes who's it going to be? Can the Chiefs carry on without him? Or who's going to snap up and take that division? And at that point, I think it's probably the Chargers. But who knows? Vegas, yeah, I think so. the Raiders. Who knows with those guys? Um, let, let's stay in that division. We started with the West. Let's move to another fairly easy division to pick. And we're going to go to the South, AFC South. So that's, uh, that's Titans, Colts, Texans, Jaguars. Oh, you can prepare for him, not me. I like the titans i'm not i'm not high on the julio trade i think julio is slightly overrated but it definitely is a piece of the puzzle they needed he's a reliable receiver who's gonna obviously see his fair share of targets so i think the offense is good really good being said the colts have a significantly better defense I think the Titans will win the division, but it'll be close. Zach? Sorry? AFC South, division winner. Yo, you want me? Oh, we're all each doing each division. Okay, yeah. I thought we were getting handed a division. No, 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 no. Oh, we're, each, we're, each, we're each picking I every honestly, division. I think I agree with Jer on the the Colts. Thing. Wait, you took Colts, right, Jer? No, I took the Titans slow. Oh, like, man, I don't just, agree with Jerry. I think like a little bit. I'm even though right. Carson Wentz is the, it might be the biggest question mark in the NFL. Like, for all the talk that we have jokingly about Drew Locke and stuff, and I don't blame any of that. Like Carson Wentz, this is the whole situation. The dude just has to start like seventy percent of the games, and they have to give away at first. It doesn't even matter if he's good or bad. So there's a lot there. But like Jerry said, their their defense. Really good for a bunch of people you don't know. Like, I like you guys to name their defensive players. I uh, bet you can't uh, do it. But just somehow, but they're they're such a well-coached team. And not that Vrabel isn't a good coach. I'm not trying to take away anything about that. But, like, and, and he's done stuff. But, like, Derrick Henry could run the ball before Vrabel showed up. That O-line was good before Vrabel showed up. I'll give him some credit with Tannehill. That's not I'm not gonna discredit him on that. But his secondary has gotten worse every year. His pass rush has gotten worse every year. They didn't do anything to address either. They got rid of a Dory Jackson, which is I don't understand what that move was about. I don't I really don't get it. They, I don't I don't see with on, like they, everything looks great on paper offensively and all that, but I feel like they're one injury on offense from this whole thing imploding, and then we're bottom five team in the, in the league. That's that. That's where Tennessee is. Where like, but if everything clicks, 
You know, like Jared, the Jared oh. has. They're the division. We're, the, the, the Colts, they got a run game. They got a good – they win the trenches. D-line, O-line, Colts got that. And the, the one thing that hasn't changed in football is the trend. you win the trenches, you win the majority of the games. And the Titans are explosive. That's like you said, the Colts win in the trenches, and that's where you win football games. I mean, Derrick Henry is a phenomenal running back. Somebody in that line goes down. Uh, Anything, Derrick no. Henry gets banged up. There goes their passing attack. The whole pass, like I, you, we, I like. I, I shouldn't say there goes, but I like AJ. I like Julio, and I like Tannehill. But Tannehill has done nothing outside of a play action offense. So to assume that he's going to sit there and like stand in a shotgun formation or something and just pass it to AJ and thing and just get it done. And the, and the other thing is they are so key on controlling the momentum of the game. You know what I mean? Like the run game is not only it's just important because of their play action, all that stuff, their defense is bad. So they're, they can't get into a shootout because they're going to lose the shootouts to any real offensive team. Are they going to get in a shootout with KC? They're going to get a shootout with Cleveland. Are they going to get a shootout with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Like, ooh, they're not going to greet Bay if Aaron Rodgers is there. Insert offensive team. They're not winning that one without every piece of the puzzle. We're like, the Colts, I feel like they could lose almost any individual player, and they still look very, very, very good. And, and I like Zach's point to the fact that if one piece goes down in Tennessee, the whole thing could fall apart. Because look at their depth. What depth? Yeah, what no. depth do they really have? <laughs> exactly. What depth do they have that is equal to the talent that they can put out there in their first string players? And Don't their players rely on each other, too. Like, AJ, like, everyone's talking about what AJ can do if Julio gets double teamed or vice versa. And like I said, their pass game is off their play action, where a lot of teams aren't just that way. You know what I mean? Like, for example, Green Bay, even with we discussed multiple times their lack of a second wide receiver and such, if Aaron Jones gets hurt, we'll say last year, Jamal Williams is good enough in the run game to establish a run, still receive. And Aaron Jones not being there doesn't affect Aaron Jones. I mean, Aaron Rodgers' ability to throw the ball. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need Aaron Jones to be in the lineup. Devontae Adams is not affected by the lack of Aaron Jones being there. Where Tennessee, Julio and AJ will be affected by no Derrick Henry or vice versa. Uh, Tannehill will be affected without one of those pieces being there. Like people can try to say what they want. Like when AJ Brown wasn't there, the Tennessee offense didn't look so great when he was banged up for like what two weeks last week or so last year. Like it's. I don't know. There's a lot. Uh, Tennessee needs a lot to work. If it all works, it's great and all, but a defense is not good. I mean, I think obviously, you know, like I said, it's it's July seventeenth. It's it's very easy to pick a winner on paper today and say this it's going to be them because you know they have the right team on paper and everything looks great. And you know, Zach, you you've made a, a hell of a case for the for the Colts. You know, a, a very emphatic point. Um, Dino would be proud. <laughs> um, <laughs> you made a case for his boys very well but uh i, I gotta go with the titans and again this is strictly you know this is the pick today is that going to be the pick yeah, week yeah. one who knows but the pick today is them for one reason one reason only you know you talk about the the colts win in the trenches well let's be real derrick henry's running through those trenches unscathed because he's derrick freaking henry you know he he will run through 
un- unless you have resurrected Mean Joe Green and you know the Purple People Eaters, you know you're <laughs> there's nary a defensive line that's gonna stop. You know the '85 Bears could stop them, but you know I don't, I don't know. They Barry... couldn't. You know how old those guys are now? <laughs> the '85 Bears and '85 could stop them. But I don't. Oh, eighty-five I don't is a good many, year. I don't. I don't know too many others that could do that. And right now, obviously, that, that's a team that's tough. But, you know, they've they've resurrected the career of Ryan Tannehill. They've given Ryan Tannehill a career. Um, Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry. You know, AJ Brown, who is obviously my greatest bonehead play in in dynasty football. We'll get there. I'm sure at some point we'll discuss in the Dynasty Dime segment our biggest bonehead Dynasty moves, but uh, you know we'll save that one for another time. But if you're intelligent, you can probably figure out what I did. But uh, you know, obviously, I'm picking the Titans. They've got a, a they've got an offense that on paper is one of the best in football. On paper, you know, you can write down a lot of things on paper, but that doesn't mean you know. It's worth nothing more than the paper it's written on. But you know, in July, I pick the Titans, and uh, you know, we're sitting here. We're getting, we're just past the one hour mark here in our very first episode. So we're gonna, I, I don't want to say we're gonna go speed round, but we're gonna, you know, let's let's try and pick up the pace a little bit on some of these other divisions because I don't think the next division really has much debate because I really don't think there's really much else. Again, we're gonna stay in the AFC, the AFC East. I don't think there's much competition here. Going to take it. Uh, go ahead. Go I mean, with, 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 okay, you yeah, I, I don't think we need essays right. on who's going to win this division, no. FC East? Uh, hey, the Bills are going to win the division. I would not be surprised to see the Dolphins give them a run. I think the Dolphins improved on offense in the draft. Um... Jalen Waddle was huge. And I think their defense was really good last year. And I think Tua is a good enough quarterback where he's going to be significantly better this year than he was. And he's, he's, he's spent time with the offense. That He went in... I think I saw a report saying he didn't like uh, remember half the offense or something like that. And like, it, 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 there were there were pieces missing in Miami's game last year, and they were still a good team. And being said, think anyone can touch Buffalo's offense. Josh Allen is one of the top three quarterbacks in the league right now, and I don't see that changing. I don't see New England putting up much of a fight. Maybe better than last year. I don't think Cam Newton is going to... With Cam Newton, you get what you get now. And I think that explains a lot about why that team didn't didn't click last year. Uh, he couldn't stay healthy. I don't think he's going to stay healthy this year. He's had knee injury, uh, shoulder injury, all these injuries the past two, three years. And I don't think he's a guy you can really hang your hat on. And they drafted Mac Jones, but Mac Jones isn't going to be ready yet. Jets, I like the Jets. Don't know they're there yet. And they're not going to be good enough to beat Buffalo. So Buffalo is definitely going to win the division. I think they need to fix the run game a little bit more. 
I like I, I like Zach Moss. I think if they can tweak a couple things, then they'll be even better this year. They're going to win the division. I don't think Jerry uh, understands the uh, don't need an essay for this division concept. God damn it. <laughs> Zach? I got Bills. Uh, double down on Jerry's, though. They do need to work on the run game. I don't, I don't really trust Moss or Singletary. Moss looked better than Singletary in the last, like, six weeks. But... I don't know. Neither one look. Neither one looks like they do between the tackles. But like the rest of the division just doesn't look like they have. Like I, I, I wouldn't put my money on anybody to win the guaranteed nine games other than the Bills. And I don't think you're walking out of that division with winning it with less than that. So Bills. I mean, it's it's hard not to you know pick anyone other than the Bills. You know, I think you guys are right. Everything you said is correct. But, I mean, I can't sleep on the Patriots. You know, they, they did a lot this offseason. You know, they signed some weapons offensively. You know, Nelson Aguilar can bounce back there. They signed Hunter Henry and, and Johnny Smith. And if there's one thing that Bill Belichick is really good at, it is maximizing the tight end position. You know, I'm mumbling mean, during press conferences. <laughs> oh, no. are you stamping it? Are you giving it to New England? Are you I'm not giving it to New England. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying you can't sleep. Like you guys are talking about, you can't sleep on the Dolphins. But I'm saying, I'm saying, don't sleep on the Patriots because they could make a division out of it. If Mac Jones comes out and takes that job from Cam Newton and establishes himself, or you know, God forbid, Cam Newton gets hurt and Mac Jones turns into Tom Brady 2.0. <laughs> I mean, he could trip Cam Newton on the sidelines and take the job. I can get Johnny's you... just putting some dynasty prayers out there. <laughs> a, a little bit, a right little now. bit. It's all Mac Jones a stuff. Little no bit. Cam Newton's gonna kill oh. it or nothing. It's all the what Mac Jones will do. A little bit of that. Obviously, yeah. I drafted Mac Jones in our dynasty draft. Um, but you know, let's be real here. If something happens and Cam Newton gets hurt early in this season, you know the comparisons are going to be made right off the bat. Oh yeah, 100%. and I, I mean, I, I don't think that, that certainly doesn't help Mac Jones. It really doesn't. Yeah, you, know, you can't. No. I, I hate Tom Brady. I'm not a Tom Brady fan. As we get a, as we get through this show, I'm sure you know the the lament of the anti Tom Brady fans like myself will be spoken on this show a lot. So if you're a Tom Brady stan and you can't stand listening to people talk bad about the goat, then I hate to tell you, but this probably isn't the podcast for you guys. But, uh, you know, if, if you like listening to discourse on, you know, who the greats are and, and talking about the negatives of everyone. I mean, I'm a Green Bay fan, and I already just told you I think they lost this season. So I'm not afraid to bury dirt on my own grave if I have to. But uh, oh, it's a good thing. Cam Newton uh, actually made it through signing that one-year deal unscathed. He did. He did. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next division. I think this is probably a two-horse race this season. Uh, AFC North. Preferably without a, uh, an essay, if possible. Browns. <sighs> I think either the Browns or the Ravens. Steelers are going to be terrible this year. Cincinnati has pieces, but I don't know if all the pieces are going to mesh together. Let me go into Joe Burton. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I think the Browns, I've, I've kind of explained it already, but I think the Browns are going to win the division. Um, the Ravens I, I, you're right I'm kind of torn on this one 
you could see either the Browns or the Ravens. And that's the beauty team... of July seventeenth. You can change your mind about ten times before the season even starts. So right now, July seventeenth, Jeremy Landry, I'm putting you in the spot. Who's winning the AFC North? No waffling. Hmm. Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. Zach, you said Cleveland. Is there anything you want to? I got Cleveland. They are one of the few teams in the NFL that didn't lose anything and was just able to add. So they added Clowney, added draft picks. They got good depth, good system. The Ravens lost a stud right tackle. That's like, to be determined how much that affects. He's he's really good. So it's hard to pick against point. Lamar, who always has the potential to be an MVP candidate. But I mean, I think you you said it exactly right. You know, the Browns, the Browns added without subtracting. You know, they already had a good team that looked good, and they added to what was already a stout defense. I mean, you are adding. Jadavian Clowney to Chubb, like that's, I that's terrifying, you know. And and let's be real, if I'm Joe Burrow, I'm looking for a hall pass two games a season, because I don't <laughs> I don't want to play against those two guys, you know. Let's be no. real, and and not just because Chubb might take somebody's helmet off and try and beat me with it. You mean Miles Garrett? Miles My, Garrett, yes. I I don't know why I'm getting my players confused, but uh, yes, Miles Garrett. Uh, Chubb is not. I, I, I don't know. They have a Chubb, so I'm, I'm getting him and, and yeah. Bradley Chubb confused in my head when it is clearly Nick Chubb, the running back, not Bradley Chubb, the defensive end extraordinaire that I'm thinking about. But Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney are a dangerous pairing. It is terrifying, and quite frankly, Joe Burrow better be wearing extra padding two games a year because they will try and kill him, and I'm afraid with that offensive line, they just might. Don't forget, Kareem Hunt still exists. Report where uh, Joe Burrow has mono during the week he plays Cleveland. Oh boy, yeah. And, and then the following week he'll have stereo. <laughs> <laughs> you remember how I said we're gonna have a button for dare jokes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd have pushed it right there if I had it. All right, uh, that's <laughs> that. That wraps up the AFC. We've got our four division winners from the AFC. There's definitely some divisions in the NFC that are a lot closer, but uh, I think we're going to save the NFC for the next episode because we're already at about an hour and ten minutes and we still have uh, a segment and change to go. So, alright, that's going to do it for... It's now time. We officially... We've broken the huddle. It is now time to call the plays and drop some Dynasty Dimes. That's right. In this segment, we are going to discuss Dynasty football... Obviously, fantasy football, uh, specifically the dynasty system. We'll of course talk about redraft as well, but this is this is our segment that's going to cover the fantasy football element of the game of football, which over the last uh, fifteen to twenty years has become probably one of the most important uh, parts of professional football as a whole. You know, betting is becoming that as it's becoming more approachable to the casual fan, and as it's you know being legitimized and it's becoming that but fantasy football that's where it's at now this is this is that segment it's dynasty dimes as we're gonna drop some uh fantasy football know-how from myself who is a two-time dynasty a two-time not a two-time dynasty winner a two-time redraft champion a four-time redraft finalist in eight seasons give me a few years i'll get those dynasty championships too because let's be real dude my team be nipping at your heels all right Mm -hmm. i've i've built a contender and uh-huh. not a pretender. Uh, obviously, this is the guy who was in the last place. 
<laughs> from the outhouse to the penthouse. Look at my team now, baby. I have had a transformative offseason, okay? Let's be real. My team sucked last year. Yes, it did. But that was intentional suckage. I sold off a lot of assets to get a lot of great players. And uh, let's be real. Saquon Barkley is back, and he's healthy, and that makes a huge difference. All right? I've, I'm legitimately looking at two running backs who have the potential to be top five running backs. So, you know. My team's okay. we'll, we'll talk more about our individual teams and you know our positional rankings on future episodes. But right now, specifically dynasty, obviously, you know if you're not in opening year, typically you only have a rookie draft every year. You know, obviously everybody does their systems differently, so we can only speak to ours. Where obviously we just do a rookie draft every year in dynasty um, since the initial draft two years ago. So your team is starting out. Your your league is fresh. You are building your team. Which rookie do you build your team around? Uh, Zach, we're going to start with you. My unbiased pick, (laughs) Kyle Pitts. I feel like he has the potential to be a dominant player at the weakest position in fantasy. If he is what they hope, that it's just it's no looking back. Uh, a big reason is he is the top offensive, sorry, top receiving weapon taken in the NFL draft. So it's not like like the like the Atlanta Falcons have the opportunity to take Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, Najee Harris if they wanted to go running back. They had the choice of all the weapons. They chose Kyle Pitts. This isn't. This isn't just. This that that's that just doesn't happen. Like I don't know. Like that doesn't happen. So if there's people that like Jamar Chase, like they're moving on from Julio Jones. This clearly is evident. It happened. It's not like this was like you know the rumors were clearly real. So having Jamar Chase replace Julio Jones would be a very very good thing to have. And they still decided not to do that. They're gonna go Kyle Pitts. I think that says a lot. I think all the hype about him says a lot. I think the, the fact that he has the longest reach of any receiving threat since they've been recording that is a huge thing. We Tight ends are red zone dependent. I feel like being able to reach the ball where nobody else can reach it is going to help you a lot in the red zone. I think he's, in my opinion, super safe. Unless some sort of injury happens, and that's a thing with any prospect, I don't see how Kyle Pitts isn't a hit and how he doesn't help you and put you in a championship run as long as you have a team around him every year. Jer, which rookie are you taking to build your dynasty franchise around? I... be honest, I like... Would have said Rondale Moore because I really like the situation in Arizona. Think he's going to be receiver two sooner rather than later. I really like Elijah Moore in the Jets. Um, wide receiver one is not necessarily a secure thing right now. Everything is up in the air for uh, the Jets. They've got a new quarterback. Um, 
run game is they've got like seven running backs. Uh, I think Elijah Moore could end up being top 15 wide receiver within the next two years. I think the potential ceiling is there only because what's around him. There's not much around him. Nobody's going to be stealing his targets. Um, going to have opportunities to make himself a player in New York. And just like the ceiling that he has, that I would take him and kind of him in my flex, at least for this year, and then it's, you know, to the moon from there. You like him more than Jamar Chase? Yes, only because T. Higgins exists. So you'll see Elijah be your guy? I, I am all in on T. Higgins in every situation whatsoever. Jamar Chase is good, and I know he's got the familiarity with Joe, but he's going to take over, what, Jay Green's chair? Wasn't much. He was, AJ can't stay healthy. So I think they went all in on T. Higgins last year, and don't regret it whatsoever. Hey, who's yours, Johnny? I mean, you know, I could sit here and, and there's a lot of different guys I could pick, but I mean, you know, I, I said earlier, we're not going to agree about a lot. We're going to argue about everything, but I think for this one, I cannot argue with Zach. I really can't. Um, I think everything you said about Kyle Pitts is absolutely correct. You know, I, I sat there on our draft day and... You know, obviously, I, I I moved up with you to get number one, and I managed to hold on to you know I think number five as well while doing that, and so I, I had two picks in the top five, and and I, you know, obviously, yeah, but you're gonna win the championship. I had dreams of being able to get Pitts and and Najee at number one, but uh, you know, obviously, Dino stepped in and said, "No, sir, you cannot do that," and I, I think he picked. Pitts, right? Literally, the pick before I came back up again. Oh, I took Pitts. I took Pitts. Did you take Pitts? Yes, sir. Okay, I can't. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zach took. Uh... Yeah, he took Waddle right before I came up. Okay, now I remember the specific chain of events. You, you, you took Pitts with my pick, if I remember correctly. Yeah. 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 So I mean, I I needed I needed the running back more than I needed the tight end, but. You know, I, you may very well have won that trade in future years. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I can't argue with you. Pitts is potentially transformative at a position where there aren't a lot of those guys in the fantasy football world. I mean, there's Travis Kelsey. You know, like you can build a team around Travis Kelsey, but there's really no other tight end that I'd feel comfortable building a team around. Whereas right now in his rookie season, I would feel comfortable building a team around Kyle Pitts because he has that potential. I mean, let's add in the fact that in Atlanta, who else is there? You know, he's he's kind of the offense right now. You know, I mean... And Calvin Ridley. That's it. You know, exactly. They have Calvin Ridley. I mean, you know, how big is he going to be, you know, whereas Kyle Pitts has a chance to be that guy, you know, and, and have the offense flow through him. He has, he has the potential to be... You know, a generational type player. You know, we've seen we've seen what Travis Kelsey can do. Now we get to wonder what Kyle Pitts can do. So we'll we'll you know take a few years and we'll figure that out. But I think it's Kyle Pitts. He's the guy. 
I would build my team around, but since I wasn't building a team from scratch, I didn't pick him. And uh, I may live to regret that. We'll see. All right. Um, I think he's overrated. <laughs> uh, the next question, uh, similar vein, and that is, you know, obviously in Dynasty, you build with your rookies. You build the future with your rookies, but you have to build around your veteran anchors. Now, I'm not talking about your your studs at your positions. You know, I'm not talking about the, the RB1s, the RB2s. I'm talking about those guys that are somewhere in the middle. Those veteran anchors that you put in your lineup, expecting them to put up, you know, 10 to 15 points a week. Not the guy that's going to put up 30, not the guy that's going to put up 20, but the guy that's going to give you that solid 10 to 15 points every week, who's your veteran anchor, who's your veteran anchor. Jer? No, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I'm going to say who is not a veteran anchor. Andrews. He was a veteran anchor. He was phenomenal for the last couple of years. And he was a guaranteed you know, 10 to 15 points every week. He was seeing touchdowns. Not, not a high catch radius, but he was in the red zone every time you were guaranteed almost a touchdown a game. Now, don't think the volume is going to be there for him. I think going to be a downtick because Baltimore has more weapons than they did previously. I mean, J.K. Dobbins took over. So, don't think... And Andrews is very hit or miss now. So, you're not he's not going to anchor your team to where, okay, I can slot him in right here. It's my flex. And he's going to get me 10 points. I can set it and forget it. He's not that guy anymore. I don't think... He's going to be that guy going forward. So if you can sell him, sell him now. Because it's not going to get any better than it did last year. And last year was not that good. Zach, who's your veteran anchor? So let me get this correct. My criteria is basically not a superstar and not an upcoming kid. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. So just outside of that superstar range, yeah. I'm going with Keenan Allen. I think that's my guy. He... He gets stats, gets catches, gets yards, gets touchdowns, but never hits that next level of that. You know, he doesn't get the 1,400 yards, doesn't get those super high touchdown numbers, doesn't come up with, like, those silly Michael Thomas receptions, you know what I mean? He doesn't do the things that Tyreek Hill did when he was first going up and get you, like, punt return touchdowns and kick return touchdowns and just, you know, those extra points that – pop up he doesn't do that he but he's nobody's gonna have keenan allen on their team and not put him in their lineup unless you just have a ridiculously deep team keenan allen's in your lineup and you're gonna feel comfortable he's gonna get you points obviously any player in the league could just not have that week but i think keenan allen's that guy good safe bet i like that he's not a stud He's not a guy who you're going to see in in a top five list. Although I'm seeing, he, he is getting an, a bit of an uptick this year. I'm noticing. Uh, there's a lot more people kind of talking about him. I, I'm noticing, but you're absolutely right. I don't think he's the guy where he's going to put up 16 points and you know you're going to run away with the week. He's yeah, going to be a solid not, guy every week. 
Like if you're gonna be, have if, you're, if you're a championship team, he's not. You're gonna you're not gonna circle him. He's like he's my one and two guy, but he's definitely your number four. Like you know what I mean? He's sitting right there. Like you feel real nice with the points he's probably gonna get you. You you could leave him in your flex all year, and you wouldn't need to touch him. He's no. he's consistent, but he's not fair. Yeah, he's just not. That hasn't been at least. I think he's got the skill, but productive, like production wise, he hasn't. I mean, I I think for me that veteran anchor again, he's the you know he's that guy who's been around for a, a fairly long time. You know, and and they're they're good for points. You know, they might go off for a week and and pop off and give you twenty plus, but consistently, you know, they're going to be somewhere in the, you know, uh, depending on the position. You know, if if you're flex guy, which most of your veteran anchors are going to be, if they're giving you somewhere between seven to fifteen points every week, that's that's a good outing. You know, that's what you want. And for me, that guy is Marvin Jones. He is he's a solid veteran anchor, you know, he's he's going to he's going to be a, you know, a low tier guy. He's probably going to finish somewhere in the in the late 20s to mid 30s for the positional rankings. But he's going to consistently put up those points every week. You know, he may pop off and give you 20, but you know he's at least good for 7. You know, and he's going yeah. to get you those those points every week. And I, I think, you know, moving to Jacksonville, he actually has the potential for a bit more. You know, because that is, it's a young team. He provides that veteran, uh, almost security blanket element to that offense. You know, because you know his consistency level is still going to be there. He hasn't had the drop off in skill. I mean, even last year, you know, he was good for those points. I think Marvin Jones is that guy that, you know, I need, I, I know I need this many points in one of my flex positions. Put Marvin Jones in there and, and he's good for it no matter the opponent. And he's a guy that I would trust with a rookie quarterback. So, like, he's the perfect fit for that offense. Because you can't really trust Trevor Lawrence yet. Oh, he hasn't done anything. He's got to build rapport with these guys. You know, he was fantastic fantastic in Clemson, but he'd been there three years. Yeah. So, you, know, you put a veteran present who's done something. He's a... Marvin Jones is a fantastic player. And he's a guy that you can build with Trevor Lawrence to make Trevor Lawrence reach the next step. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. All right. Uh, we got one more category or question before we move on to basically our, our final segment of the night. And that is, you know, obviously it's July. We're starting to put together our, our lineups and we're, you know, we're making trades. And obviously we, in our league, have just gone through a very large flurry of activity, you know, last month where a lot of craziness happened. Um, but obviously, you know, this is the time where you buy low and you sell high. You know, before the season starts, while people are still looking at their rosters and thinking, this guy's washed. But I still see something there. I think there's the potential. And that's bringing us to the bounce-back candidate. Who do you think is going to have the biggest bounce-back fantasy season this year? Mm. Mm. You, want you, to go one, Johnny? you have one lined up? Do I have one? I absolutely have one lined up. You go, go ahead, and it's yeah. it's one that uh, it, it's one that uh, if you've followed my roster in our in our league, you probably have a good idea of who it is. It's Julio. He's my bounce back. 
Uh, I think everybody's thinking he's a wash. You know, he's, he's there's nothing there. He's he's done. You know, he's not going to be the guy. I still think he's going to be a guy. You know, he may not. You know, he's not going to be the WR one on that team. Obviously, that's AJ Brown's job. But if AJ Brown gets hurt, then Julio will step into that slot and perform at that elite level. I think Julio's going to thrive having less of that. You know number one DB on him every snap. You know, he's not going to be getting all the double teams he was getting in Atlanta. He has such a huge potential to bounce back in that offense that, you know, I, I think some people, I, I can't speak to who they are in our league, but, you know, I had a conversation with a player in our league who, you know, after I acquired Julio, who I did get this offseason, because I feel strongly that he is going to bounce back and asked me about his his trade value. Where's that, where did I put his trade value? And I simply said one word high because i think there's that much there i think julio still has the potential to be a top 10 fantasy wide receiver he still has the skills the skills didn't go anywhere all he is all he's had is injuries he hasn't lost the skill when he plays when he plays he is still a top five wide receiver but he hasn't been able to string together the time he hasn't been able to string together the games i think now that he's facing a little less scrutiny a little less pressure you know he's not he's not the offense anymore you know, in Atlanta, he was the offense. The offense went entirely through Julio. You know, if you stop 11, you stop Atlanta. Whereas, you know, move to Tennessee, that's not the case anymore. You've got a big guy wearing the number 22 named Derrick Henry that you're worrying about stopping every week. And then you got so Atlanta Brown. scores 28 and stops. You know, um, you know you've, you've got two guys. When you are game planning for the Tennessee Titans this year, you are worrying about Derrick Henry. You are worrying about A.J. Brown, and then you're talking about Julio Jones, and that's a problem because Julio is going to make you pay for that. He still has that that attitude that he believes he's still got it, and as long as he believes he's still got it, I think there's nothing but potential for him to be the biggest bounce-back candidate of 2021. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So if I'm going to... I'm not going to include people like OBJ or Saquon Barkley because they're bouncing back from injury. That's not the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't like. I don't like that. So if I'm going to pick a guy who, as of two seasons ago, was killing it, and then people are just sleeping on, and I think that's going to change again, is Cooper Cup. Again, I have a bias on my team with that, but there's a reason for it. He, Jared Goff, had a down year. Probably his worst year as a pro since his rookie season. Better than his rookie season, but his worst since then. Cooper Cup still put up, I believe he was a top 30 fantasy wide receiver. And I don't know if anyone gets that. But a top 30 fantasy wide receiver means that he is in the upper echelon of flex wide receivers. And that was with him apparently having a bad year. He has now Matt Stafford as his quarterback, who is way better than Jared Goff. And he has Cam Akers as the running back. And we've seen what this Rams offense looks like when they have a running game going. That's With Jared Goff, I, I still like Jared Goff as a quarterback. I don't think he's a bum or anything like that. That run game was not really good for him, and he desperately needs it for it to be good. Matt Stafford doesn't need a run game. He has He's had like one 100-yard rusher in what a decade as in detroit or something it was carry on johnson and then they went and cut the guy a year and a half later 
Like, Stafford's got it done without a run game. I think he's going to have a run game. I, I can't imagine where teams are going to try to focus while covering the Rams, especially with that defense on the other side forcing you to feel like you got to do stuff. I don't I don't know. I, I Cooper Cup's my guy. Jerry, you got a bounce back guy? Yes, but first I want to make one comment about Johnny's uh, bounce back guy. Uh, I really like Julio Jones, especially because Johnny Smith's targets have to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that helps him tremendously because they don't, I mean, Berkser is the tight end in in Tennessee now, and he's yeah. his, 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 uh, <sighs> His stock is in the toilet. So I think Julio is helped by the fact that that offense was decimated on the outside with uh, Corey Davis and just losing so many players on the outside that he is now slotted in there and that offense is just going to recharge and go. I bounce back, guy. From a strictly fantasy perspective... He's not going to win you football games, but he will win you fantasy weeks. Miss Winston. He is the quarterback. New Orleans. It's a different system run by Sean Payton. He's got equally as talented receivers. He's got a significantly better run game behind him. It's a better offense overall than what he was working with in Tampa. So I think you put his skills for good or bad. We know what they are. Jameis Winston is Jameis Winston. He's not going to change. He's been doing it for five years now. I think if you put him and his skills in offense is better around him, he's going to perform better. And strictly from a fantasy perspective, he's going to throw for 5,000 yards. You'll get 30 interceptions. Those yards, touchdowns, are where you're going to win fantasy weeks. I mean, I I like that pick as well. That's another. It's hard to argue with that pick. I mean, I'd probably say that, if anything, I think the touchdown-to-interception ratio is going to be a lot better in the touchdown favor this year because I think you know in Tampa he was always playing from behind he had to be throwing those you know those bombs downfield all game because the team just didn't have anything you know there was no defense there they couldn't no backfield he and, and especially no backfield but just that addition alone of adding you know the guy who is you know just moving to an offense where you've gone you know I'd argue you know Michael Thomas to Mike Evans that's kind of a wash that's that's what I was thinking. Yeah, you know that that's that's kind of a wash. Two guys at the top of their position. That's fine. They they cancel each other out. But you're going from the Tampa run game that has had had nobody for the duration of his time there. I mean, who who were the running backs? They were churning through a new guy every year, pretty much. You know, and there was nobody notable. There were no names there that made you stop and go, hmm, there's something, maybe something there. You know, there was no rookie studs that were great. There was nobody fantastic. And now you're going to a guy who is, you know, uh, quite possibly the best running back in the league. All around. You know, he, he's led the league in, in all-purpose yards prior to McCaffrey. And, you know, since then they kind of 
push each other. And you've got a guy who's pushing to be one of the top all-purpose yardage guys in the league every year in, in AK. And it, it just, you know, <laughs> that's something, that, that's an intangible, you know? Like, you you don't have to worry about him throwing the 30-yard bomb all the time when you can run a screen pass to AK and get those 30 yards. Exactly. The offense doesn't need to run through him now. No. He's got so many options where if they're going to stack the box for AK, he can throw it 30 yards. Mm-hmm. You know? Or they've got safeties out there, just hand the ball off. Here's Kamara, here's a little shovel pass, and all of a sudden we're 15 yards downfield. You know, there's, there's, you so, much, there's so much more options in New Orleans for, for him than there ever was in Tampa. I mean, yeah, and, he had Mike Evans, yes, and, and he got the early parts of Godwin, you know, when he was ascending, but that's still, that's nothing compared to what they have in New Orleans, which I'll also point out, you know, the coaching staff, you know, I mean, he, he's going from, you know, who was coaching uh, in Tampa while he was there? You know, Arians, I think. Well, I mean, he got Arians at the end, but ah. before that, you know, for, for the point, I mean, Dirk, I Dirk think... Cutter. Yeah, I think he only had Arians for a year, right? And Dirk Cutter was, you know, we called him Turd Cutter not, for a reason. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and and it wasn't you know the way he and he couldn't even cut the crap. Series. No, he could not. So I mean, he he's gone from you know most of the time having Dirk Cutter, uh, and then getting a taste of Bruce Arians to now suddenly, you know, he's got to sit under the learning tree of, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks in a generation. And... I mean, Taysom Hill is okay, but give me a break. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely who I'm talking about. Um, I have a feeling Taysom Hill was kicked out of the quarterback's room in New <laughs> Orleans. Go, 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 go play with the tight ends. Leave us alone. Uh, <laughs> you know, he got to sit under the learning tree of Drew Brees for a year. And that's, that's a huge intangible, you know, because Drew Brees is... He's a thinking man's quarterback. You know, he's not a... He, he's, he's a doer, but I, I, I think that he's also a teacher. I, he I doesn't think... try to do things that he knows he can't do. And I think that was a mistake of Winston's for those early years. Yeah, they were he trying kept trying to, to do too much. They tried to force him into a mold that he wasn't skilled at. I mean, if you know anything about Jameis Winston, you know that for, I think, the first three to four years of his career, he couldn't see more than 25 yards downfield. And he's still throwing passes 35 yards. Like, you know, if you can't see the guy you're throwing to, how the hell are you going to be able to tell the difference between him and the DB covering him? You're not. You're chucking and you're praying. It's a red jersey down there. He just didn't know they were playing the Cardinals. You know, like, he's gone from chuck and pray to a system that could actually benefit him. And he absolutely, you know, everybody's written him off to the point where they're laughing. Like, New Orleans needs a starter. New Orleans needs a quarterback. New Orleans doesn't... Taysom Hill should be the guy because Jameis Winston is trash. No, he's not. You know, Jameis... Jameis he's a product out, of the system. Jameis Winston has outlasted Marcus Mariota as a starter in the NFL. Who predicted that? Mm. Yeah. You know, yes. like, when, when that draft happened, everybody thought Marcus was going to be the guy. He was going to be... He's going to lead the Titans out of mediocrity. And who's the guy leading the Titans out of mediocrity? Fucking Ryan Tannehill. Oh, you know, like it, it, saw that coming. <laughs> exactly. Tannehill was washed up by the time he got traded. Nobody thought, you know, he was doing nothing in Miami. He I think, I think the this big is, contract. This is the perfect opportunity for the opposite of that. You know, Tannehill went to Tennessee and found his career. 
Jameis is going to New Orleans, and I think he has a chance to research there and be the guy. You know, I mean, yes, he has to follow Drew Brees. That's not an easy thing to do. You know, it worked in uh, San Diego because they went from Drew Brees to um, Rivers. Yes, to Philip Rivers. Thank you. I can't believe I could not think of Philip Rivers' name. Oh, but <laughs> he's been out of the league six months, and you already forgot him. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be like speeding this up. You guys are out here talking about Jamias Winston. No, we're good. We're good. We're coming. Like, what is happening right now? We're... Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you're having a conversation with your brother? Yeah. Yeah. Goes off about Winston for fifteen minutes. All right, uh, I think we have tackled enough here. All right, our dynasty dimes have been picked up. You can't What's hear you, you can't hear the whistle, but gentlemen, it's the two minute warning, and it is now time for our quarterbacks to run the two minute drill. Now, most weeks, uh, we may kind of flip this around a little bit and have you know different. Uh, hosts running this particular portion of the show. It's, it's a two-minute drill, so you got to think quick. You got to be on your toes, and you got to know what you're doing. And we're going to toss questions at the other guys. This week, I'm going to do it because obviously I'm the host. I have spent the most time working out the format of the show, running the show, producing the show, and doing all of the behind-the-scenes work. Whereas, you know, as, as Jer said in the chat, I'm coming in cold. I have no idea what the hell we're talking about. Uh, you hurt your hand patting yourself on the back too hard there. <laughs> I am so not very Horowitz. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think I've done enough, you know, um, as a wise man once said, I don't always toot my own horn, but toot, toot. Um, all right, it's the two-minute drill, so I'm going to hit you. Uh, this week we're going to do this or that, and in this category, I'm either going to give you two options, and you're going to pick between the options. I'll, I'll kind of lay it out what the choice is. Uh, or I will hit you with an instant reaction question where you say the first name that comes to your mind based on the question, Okay. Uh, it's it's very simple, you know. Just quick reactions. Don't think about it. Don't don't preach on your answers. Just spit them out. And if you want to take a few seconds to quick blurb, then that's fine. But you know, uh, there will eventually actually be a referee whistle that I will blow when you go too long. All right. So the first question in this week's two minute drill: most deserving player not in the Hall of Fame, Jer. <sighs> And <laughs> so quick, and this guy drops um, it. <laughs> right? <laughs> drops this on me with like zero prep. I would probably go with. I'm not sure. To be honest. All right, how about this? I've given maybe you the maybe question. Maybe Joe Flacco? I, uh, Joe Flacco. Okay, Zach? I'm just going to – I'm not going to say he's the best not there, but the best I can think of is Michael Vick. Good answer. All right. Um, both guys in their prime, who are you building your offense around? Terrell Owens or Ocho Cinco? <laughs> Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens. All right. Uh, also, wide receivers, again, both in their prime. Who are you building your offense around? Megatron or Julio? Megatron. Megatron. All right. This one, uh, I, I like to think is a bit tougher because I actually spent some time pondering this question myself. Again, in their prime, 
Who's calling your plays? Dan Marino or Drew Brees? Calling my plays, Drew Brees. Drew Brees, I think. <laughs> All right. Um, a battle of two of the best defenses in history. Who are you taking to make a stop on the goal line? The 85 Bears or the Legion of Boom? 85 Bears. All right. Legion of Boom's overrated. Legion of Boom is more pasty, anyways. I agree. All right. Very pasty. Sometimes we're going to hit you guys with questions, and this is the last question of the day. We're going to hit you, only one of you, with the question because the other one's answer is fairly obvious. Zach, this question is only for you. Okay. <laughs> more obnoxious fan base Dallas Cowboys, New England Patriots. Dallas Cowboys, because the New England Patriots don't even really like the New England Patriots. They like Tom Brady. The Dallas Cowboys can try to sell you fucking manure as some fine cheese. Like, <laughs> Jared came in here telling us how great it's the greatest team ever and then completely shit on his own team. They don't even know what they want. They have no They want a Super Bowl. They, they got nothing. Everyone wants a Super Bowl. But the, you got to yeah. be realistic with stuff. Dallas is going to win one. All right. I have to say the Dallas Cowboys because I don't. They just they just say some stuff. I mean, I think you hit it exactly right when you said that you know New England Patriots fans aren't obnoxious. Tom Brady fans are obnoxious. Sadly, the overlap is very large, and a lot of those Tom Brady fans have at least moved on to Tampa exactly. Bay, so we can learn who the real New England Patriots fans actually <laughs> right? are. Uh, we've I found a few of those in my experience. They've moved on to being Tampa Bay's great. Like no, mm -hmm. they're not. They're not that great. They're okay, but they're not great. They're a good team, but they're not. They're, they're not going to be on the top 100 NFL teams whenever they. I, I, I to that. me, I, I think of it this way: like learning what we learned today, or was it yesterday, about Tom Brady playing the season with a torn MCL. Yeah, okay, that paints a very different picture on his success this year, and I am extremely impressed with that. But let's be real. All right, they beat a Kansas City Chiefs team who had zero week one offensive line starters. Zero. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not, I, I don't think that, I, can I say the result is different? I don't know, because it's a what if. But let's be real. If Kansas City has their starting O-line in that Super Bowl, Pat Mahomes is mm -hmm. not running around like a chicken with his head cut off for the entire game. Oh. And yeah. it's a very different Super Bowl. Whether or not frequent they win, fire miles on his feet. Exactly. Whether or not they win, I don't know. But they're certainly not chasing him around for 45 seconds to a minute on every down. All right, folks. That was a good show. I hope you good guys show. have enjoyed this. Um, we went longer than I planned for what was basically the... Uh, uh, I called this episode 0 0.5 in the notes because it was supposed to be kind of a... Uh, uh, a trailer for coming reactions, but kind of morphed into uh, a full-on episode one. But we're still going to call it episode 0 0.5 because, well, that's what I called it in the notes, and I'm not changing the number scheme at this point. So uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed this first uh, episode that's not episode one. Uh, I have had so much fun doing this. I've enjoyed talking football with you guys so much tonight. Um, I look forward to doing it again every week going forward i'll warn you guys we may not be quite as stringent with the every week thing in the preseason you know but as we get closer to the regular season we will be much more you know it might be every other week 
but that's at least going forward. Yeah, we're going to do our dandest to hit you guys every week with a new episode that we will record live on YouTube every Wednesday night and will drop on all of your podcatchers sometime between when we finish and Thursday morning, depending on you know processing times and, and how fast it gets put up on our uh, podcatcher services and where uh, how much editing we have to do in the afterwards because we will try and... Uh, PG it up. I mean, I, I know I dropped a few F-bombs in this episode that I uh, hadn't ah. before, but I think we did a pretty good job of keeping it generally family-friendly. I, I don't think we dropped enough F-bombs to go from a PG-13 to an R rating, so that's a good thing. Uh, it was the most family-friendly out of anyone. And can I say, I guarantee our episode 1 will be, will be way better than Star Wars. <laughs> well, um... <laughs> If you're comparing episode ones, I agree. Absolutely, it will definitely be better than ah. episode one. That movie sucks. You did great, boys. It was a good work. This has been you could take a big so Denver dump and it would be better fun. than Star Wars episode one. <laughs> All right, as we uh, sign off for this episode, uh, Jer, you are the man who runs the Inside Handoff podcast Twitter page. So tell everybody where they can find our takes on Twitter every day. All right. Our Twitter account is at Handoff Inside, and we post, uh, we got all kinds of information on the Twitter page there. Uh, we've got, uh, right now we've got a question on the page. Uh, LaVisca Chenault will be a top blank wide receiver in 2021. That uh, That's up for another 19 hours, so go check that out and uh, put your vote in. He's either going to be top 10, top 20, or top 30. Come check it out. And you can also check us out on Facebook, where we have our page, facebook.com backslash the Inside Handoff Podcast. We're going to be, uh, obviously, we'll have our, our Twitter account link there, but we'll also have general uh, topics, discussions, and things like that. And as we get forward, you know, once we start doing our live tapings, we'll be able to interact with you guys who attend our live tapings a bit more frequently uh, with special stuff that is not part of the week-to-week -week episodes where we'll do, you know, some Q&A stuff with you guys. And every so often we will do, you know, we'll let the fans take over the two-minute drill every now and again where you guys can hit us up with your questions. Yeah, point. And uh, there's, there's going to be some fun. And we are going to have, you know, the the fourth panel of our show over, oh, over here is not always going to be our lovely logo. Every now and again we will fill that fourth panel up with a fourth face. But uh, it's, it's not going to be every week. It's not going to be, you know, it's month. There's no promises on when we're going to add a face to that fourth panel. But every now and again, we'll bring in someone from our merry band of thieves and rogues network that, you know, we know out there. And who knows, maybe one day we'll be big enough that we can have some pro players or some, you know, some some real NFL reporters fill up that fourth panel. That's, that's the dream, guys. And, and teamwork, it makes the dream work. This is the inside handoff. I hope it was clean. I hope you catch five yards. And I promise next week we'll have a much better sign-off. We'll see you next week, folks, for another episode of The Inside Handoff.